0: Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Office of Special Investigations, the Air Force's Federal Law Enforcement Agency.
1: I'm Hannah, his daughter, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I have always been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. <laughs> hello welcome back to true crime archives everyone i'm just gonna jump into it today we're just yep we're just gonna jump into it okay i like this
0: case wow it's frustrating i like it because it's good police work you guys are not gonna like the outcome. yeah i like it because it's good police work that's what i mean
1: we tend to give you cases where you don't like the outcome of it okay so on November 14th, 1965, 14-year-old Mary Ellen Deaner was at a laundromat with her 12-year-old sister, Brenda. They realized that they had ran out of quarters and they were going to need some more, but this was not a problem as their grandmother lived right next door to the laundromat that they were at. Mary, being the older one, decides to go get some quarters and Brenda waits for her. After some time of waiting, Brenda starts to get worried because... Mary Ellen has not come back. So she decides to go to her grandmother's house to let her know. Um, And obviously, the grandmother is alarmed, tells Brenda to stay at the house while she goes looking for Mary Ellen. Not long after leaving her house, she stumbles across the police and something that would change her family's world forever. Mm -hmm. So that is a little summary, Dad.
0: She didn't go... To the grandmother's house to get changed, though she went around the corner to the other laundromat. Oh yes, to get changed. Did change. I misspeak? No, I'm sorry. you didn't. No, you didn't misspeak. I'm just, I'm just sharing she because get, yeah. because the sister Brenda knew this is like a five minute walk. Right. So five minutes there, five minutes to do your thing, five minutes. Back. So she she knew that she should not have been out that long.
1: Right. The the change thing at the laundromat they were at. Didn't have any more didn't quarters. Didn't have any quarters, So they yeah. were, she was, you're right, going to go to the other laundromat.
0: And it, being at the laundromat at night was okay because it's their grandmother. right. Their grandmother lived right there, right across, right next door? It was right next door, yeah. Yeah.
1: She lived right next door. Uh, like I said, this is November 14th, 1965. Uh, they did take a taxi to the laundromat, though, from their house. Yeah,
0: it looks like it's like a block up, but it's yeah. a big block, I guess.
1: Right, Basically, what happens is the grandmother comes across the police and a dead body that she immediately recognizes as being her granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Mary Ellen had been shot. And then, I don't know how to properly word this. I don't really want to say it. No,
0: they can tell that she was also bludgeoned. <laughs> there you go, well, yeah. I mean, they the the shooting, that, that probably took over. And they could tell that right away. Uh, but there's she was bludgeoned a little bit too. We'll get to that in a minute.
1: Yeah. This is you know, and this is off the beaten path on a like a sidewalk behind uh, some apartments in this neighborhood. And the police immediately determine the caliber of gun, right? So they start canvassing all the gun stores in the area they end up at a diamond hardware on south diamond street and they're looking for a 32 iver johnson
0: south diamond street where do we say and where Ma- and
1: this is mansfield ohio i did Mans- say that in the beginning Man- okay
0: mansfield ohio okay mm-hmm.
1: so they do find a receipt for this gun that is the same caliber gun the same type of gun that was used and it was sold to a lester e eubanks
0: i love when the criminals are dumb <laughs>
1: I mean, all criminals are dumb.
0: Yeah, it's true. Great, um, good police work. They found the gun. Murders. Yeah, yeah, they found the gun, and they they track it back to a guy named Lester Eubanks. So right. now they got to say, okay, this he the killed this person or his gun. His gun definitely killed this person.
1: Yeah. So they start talking to informants. Right. So
0: they're gonna do ballistics and all that kind of stuff too, simultaneously, just right. to prove. Yeah.
1: And as we determined before, this stuff doesn't take 30 seconds like it does. <laughs> oh, right, right. So right. while they're waiting on all that, yeah. they talk to informants who say that they actually saw Lester in the area that night. And I mean, this is this is like a, it's a small town, right? So Lester grew up in Mansfield, Ohio. That like Mary Ellen's family Talks about you know seeing him walking like some of the description we get of Lester Eubanks yeah, what, is coming from Mary Ellen person? Diner's yeah. sister, yeah. who recalls seeing him walking around. You know he he used to walk around with like nunchucks. He was a loner. He kept to himself. Like these are descriptions yeah. coming from her family.
0: And, and that's what the that's what most people said. Even throughout this, we'll talk about it. that. That's what most people said. He was a loner, but that doesn't necessarily mean what I think people think. He was always by himself doing his own thing, but he was. He was also portrayed as being like charismatic and charming, and and I don't know if charming is the right he word. Also he's, he he dressed nice. He, he you know so, but yeah, this numchucks. Well, he was always walking around carrying numchucks.
1: David Siller, who we'll talk about in a second, he's a WUS marshal. He describes him as well liked. He easily fit in. Yeah. So, but
0: still a loner, right? Mm-hmm. So you could you could appear to be. I think that's social some of the arrogance yeah. about him. Yes. Narcissism and arrogance, yeah. yeah, that's actually the way to put it, Hannah, yep. Yeah, because I was going to
1: say later on some, yeah. you know, other people are going to describe him, some people who were end up in jail with him are going to describe him as right. arrogant. And, so
0: by himself, he's sort of suave, walking down the street, whipping the nunchucks, mm-hmm. maybe in front of this one young, uh, vulnerable young girl, he, he's all cool and bravado, but he couldn't handle himself in a big crowd of people. Right. That's what they mean by a loner, okay. Right. And, and so, oh, and what was significant about him now? So they put him, informants put him in the area, but what was significant, what even, what adds on to the fact that he owned the gun?
1: You're talking about why he was not behind bars? Yeah. <laughs> so they, I mean, they didn't really bring that up as a reason that they looked at him. No, but it adds to it. But it, it does, it. yeah. No, I'm
0: telling you, it adds to it, though.
1: Right. So he actually was on bail, on bond, bail, whatever. Bail, on bail. Bail. Pending his For a trial. rape charge. Yeah. So yep. he he shouldn't have even been out. <laughs> um, yeah. He, he was a sexual predator. That's what he's described as. Uh, David Siller describes him yep. as that, too. All right. Uh, he had been arrested two times for sexual assault in November of in. Right. In November of 1965, he was on bond for the rape charge. So that Sunday morning, officers go pick him up, and he just immediately confesses to the crime and gives a detailed confession. So he like gives a well, hold on,
0: after some probably brilliant preamble and rights advisement, and the cops doing a great job in getting him comfortable, he confessed. Oh, I mean he, everything he, I read suggests so just that he confessed. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm filling you in. Remember, that's what my job is here. Uh, you're right? assuming that. No, I'm filling you in. This is <laughs> what we do. This is what we talk yeah, about. Yeah, but what if talk. he just
1: confessed right away?
0: Yeah, he he he, he was. A, he probably did. Back to your narcissism and yeah. arrogance, right? But they they probably said you know they read him as rights and all that kind of jazz. So okay.
1: This is this is brutal, guys. It's it's really hard to talk about. And then this is actually um, anyway. He describes that it was basically just a crime of opportunity. He saw her and took the opportunity. He grabbed her, pulled her behind the house. Um, She started screaming. He shot her twice. Um, And then he left to go back to his apartment to get dressed, to go out dancing. And then on his way back from his apartment, he hears her and sees her because she's still alive. She's
0: sort of gasping for air.
1: Right. And that is when he picks, picks up, up a, brick. a brick
0: and seals the deal and yeah yeah smashes her so he, he probably was going to rape her i mean he's a, he's a predator he was probably going to rape her and she fought back and screamed so he says i can't have this uh, and and shot and killed her yeah i mean can you imagine that anybody you just shot and killed someone then you go back and change and get dressed to go out to the club
1: it's this is it's it's awful yep it's awful terrible really sad so, so he's confessing to this. And then in May of 1966 is going to be his trial. It's in Richland County. He testifies in his trial. He's described as showing no remorse. And he is convicted and sentenced to death.
0: Yep. Sentenced to death.
1: Mm-hmm. So he's sent to the Ohio State Penitentiary in Columbus, Ohio. That's where he's kept.
0: Talk about his death row for for a couple of minutes.
1: Mm-hmm. That yeah, I was. That's what I was. Okay, going to go into next. What were you going to say?
0: No, um, somebody that shared death row with him, like a, I guess a roomie,
1: Bill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was. That's what I was. I was going to talk about Bill. I,
0: he said didn't like him. What were you going to say?
1: Yeah, he uh, the same thing. Bill uh, didn't like him. He was
0: kind of scared of him. Yeah. Opinionated Penated. attitude and a loner.
1: A lot of people. Uh, so he said that Lester didn't like a lot of people and didn't like a lot of things.
0: Can you imagine? So, I, I would, I would only imagine that if you, if a death row roommate, roomie, whatever, you want, didn't like another death row inmate, it's because maybe they really were afraid of him because what they did. Well, they didn't said, like this guy because he's just a cocky bastard, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and he said he doesn't know why. He didn't know why Lester was in there at the time. He just knew that yeah. it was for murder. He yeah. didn't know the extent of the mm. crimes. I will point out though that I don't know what Bill was in there for either, but But he's out. Bill is not incarcerated anymore.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to we're going to come to that in a minute. That might
1: I mean, yeah, but you would think that a death sentence would still commute to a life sentence. Why? why I want to know why Bill's out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's another podcast, another episode, right? Maybe
1: we'll do Bill next.
0: <laughs> so his execution was pushed like three times.
1: Yeah. So I, oh, hold on. I do want to point out, because this is going to be kind of important. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. While he was on death row, he was allowed to paint
0: yeah. He th- was allowed yeah.
1: they were encouraged to do something constructive with their time. Okay.
0: And he was given, so you make it sound he was allowed to paint, right? But what the prison system allowed was for him to have paint brushes, an easel, canvases, well, yeah. all the things mm-hmm. you to need paint. to to paint mm-hmm. uh, probably for free, you know. Um obviously tax rates pay for it, but he was allowed he was mm. given all those things hey i want to paint and he was actually a pretty damn good artist yeah he was in some like shows oh, we'll get to that yeah
1: that's after that's after
0: the, yep you're right right <laughs> but he was yeah but they have pictures of him in like a yeah. magazine or something where he was in prison painting and he has his he has,
1: he won some awards. Yeah, yeah he won this some awards. Yeah, so he's he's like
0: out. a he's like a really, really good artist, which is a shame. Right? Because he yeah. could he could have done that with his life cycle.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying okay. to move past the death penalty, death row thing yeah, yeah, <laughs> in my head. I know. So I was gonna say something. Yeah. Um, but I'm not gonna harp on that this time. Like you said, his execution is pushed back three separate times for unknown reasons. Mm-hmm. We don't know why. And then in 1972, the death penalty is abolished by the U.S. Supreme Court, um, and his death penalty is turned into a life sentence. Now, quick question. It says that it's abolished by the Supreme Court. So why wasn't it abolished everywhere?
0: It, it was for sure. For what? Seven. Um, how many years Uh
1: so they just brought it back. Yeah, well, another court, is that what you were talking
0: about he, earlier when you were yeah, like they yeah. said so, it and then they brought it back and right, they right. So it? another another court case reinstated it. So uh, okay. it, it did when the Supreme Court um, abolished it. It was it, it was abolished, abolished everywhere. everywhere. Okay, and they said so some some case. Ah, I thought I had that written down. Some a, a case that was tried before the Supreme Court said that um, it was arbitrary and capricious. Right. Those that that's the the Mm -hmm. term in the case law, which translates to like cruel and unusual, you know, that type of thing. So the Supreme Court said, yep, no more death penalty.
1: Round of applause for that.
0: And and, um, it's no, everybody will know, our listeners will know that Hannah and I disagree on the death penalty. Uh, So what happened is that everybody on death row had their sentence uh, I don't know if... Commuted, it, commuted is, is the, the term they word, use. It. But they, in they, describing they, it, it just said turn it into a life sentence. They turn death row inmates into life sentences. Which is
1: why I want to know what happened to Bill. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> life sentences. And at some point... the de- I thought I had... Hold on. Yeah, because that, that, that's not really the focus of this, I guess, episode. But at some point, I think it was five years that... It came back, another another uh, case was tried before the Supreme Court, and they said, nope, they overturned it, and the death penalty came back. But what looks like happened, subsequent to that date, it came back. So all these people were off of death row and became life life sentences. And they and, can't give them back right, their deaths. they didn't, no, unless the Eubanks was, was one of them. So now he's a life... A lifer. Now he's in prison for life, for the murder, that he confessed to. Mm -hmm. And there's evidence to show that he did it.
1: He is put into general population. He is a smooth-talking person who wins the guards over. And they allow him into an honor program. Now, we're talking about the 70s here, okay? So things were done a little differently in the 70s. I have heard of these types of programs in different prisons and different jails across the states so I, I know that this is still a, like a possible thing i don't think it's to the extent that this was in the 70s i don't think no, it, they're going shopping well
0: this was the state too remember but, the right. states the states administer this so so yeah, but it, it was a, a combination of things uh, some but some were like were able to drive trucks in between uh Prison locations. They but that was at least
1: between prison to prison. They were allowed to run errands and yeah.
0: Essentially rewarded for good behavior. That still Mm -hmm. happens. Prison is a reward for good behavior. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I know that there are still programs that do things like this. It's not gonna be to this extent that we're gonna talk about in a second.
0: Typically when you go up for like parole Mm -hmm. they they speak, you speak, someone speaks on behalf of your good behavior in prison, and that that may play a role but this is different man this is um they it, it, but they also said so listen doing my research it it also mentioned that this was an incentive for good conduct and contro- and to control the population right yes so so to control the population it was,
1: there was it was a national reform movement right. so this was happening across yep. the board they wanted reform in the prisons and,
0: and they didn't want the prisons overcrowded so could they weed out the prisoners that were okay, these people can be rehabilitated, right? Right. But if you listen to the police officers that, that talk about this case, that were involved in this case, the retired ones, they said the red flag here was he was a serial sex offender and the recidivism rate is high on mm-hmm. those type of offenders. So, As we
1: already saw, he was already out in 1965 yeah, yeah. from b- bail yeah, from yeah. two rape yeah, charges
0: so. and okay. he, he reoffended. Um, offended so, so he's a goody-goody and he's... He's smoothing. He's winning. Winning over so, the, the prison.
1: This is when he starts. Uh entering art shows right so yes. he's now he's a lifer he's in the general population he's in this honor program he's winning over the guards and he starts participating in art shows because uh, painting is a they passion pictures
0: he's of him standing there with at, people at, and those people had women, no idea with women no and idea who he was or what he at, at whatever did. the event was that he was at and they said yeah. oh i want to get a picture with the artist uh you know yeah and, and they had no idea that he was a, a, a convicted sex offender and murderer
1: right So now we're fast forwarding to December 7th of 1973. So he's been a lifer for like about a year now, right? His, the death penalty was abolished. It was about a year later ago, previously. For some reason, (laughs) this honor program allows the inmates, including Lester, to go Christmas shopping for their families in civilian attire is the term that they use. What year is this now again, did you 1973.
0: And he went to jail when?
1: 1966. Okay. But he's been a lifer and he's been off of death row for a year. Okay.
0: But how long has he been in prison? Uh, 66. Seven? Seven years? I can't do math. Yeah, like seven years at this time? Okay.
1: Right. Uh, it's eight years. Eight years. Eight after. Years. Well, it's eight years after Mary Ellen's murder, and he okay, was arrested. But he's been in jail after, for. like, so. He's
0: been in prison for like seven years. Right. Okay.
1: They go Christmas shopping in civilian tires. how is it? It's described, and they're allowed. Me- meaning,
0: meaning, they don't have. He's their not. Their yeah, he
1: doesn't look Department like a Department
0: of Correction or whatever. The uh, yeah, the right. orange jumpsuit or whatever.
1: He doesn't look like he's a person in yeah. jail. Right. The guard basically is like, "Go off, do your Christmas shopping. We're gonna meet back here at this specific spot at two p.m." This
0: is absolutely. Crazy, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous.
1: Could you imagine being the people in that mall having no idea that there is a convicted murderer, well, do you child go to, murderer, do you and go rapist. to a mall anymore?
0: Looking around, <laughs> saying, "Hey, how many people are on are on prison release going Christmas shopping?"
1: Listen, I used to work in a mall, guys. I spent a lot of time in a mall. I- <laughs> Malls are. Its own place, but anyway.
0: Yeah, I don't think that this is the type of program that exists nowadays. That's so, well, so that's what yeah, I'm saying. Like, yeah.
1: I, I know that programs like this exist, but not to this extent, right? So, he, I mean, this guard is just having full and complete trust that every single like we're not just talking about one inmate though. This is a group of inmates. Can you imagine?
0: All uh, right, whose turn it is to take the uh, take the inmate's Christmas shop and like? I, I wonder. Like, it, it depends on what type of person you are, right? I don't. I don't know that I could. Well, first of all, I know I couldn't be a correction officer, but one but I'd be like, I'm not doing this. I, wait, you want me to what? Release and then sit here and wait for these people? One no. guard. There's
1: one guard with them.
0: All right. They're just doing their job, so, I guess. So
1: what do you think happens at 2 p.m., though, when they all meet up? Yeah. Lester Eubanks is not there.
0: <laughs> He's not there.
1: And, I mean, they've been shopping for a couple hours now. Okay. it's It's been a good few hours that Mr. Lester Eubanks has had a uh, what's it called? Head Start is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So he's basically allowed to walk away. The headline says, "Convicted murderer escapes." <laughs> what a what a great time to live in that community.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The thing that I did, did he really
0: said, es- escape. That's
1: what I'm saying. He was allowed to walk away. Yeah. That's what, he, he was he was allowed yeah. to walk away. Well, uh, one of the we, things that I read, the,
0: the prison opened the door for him. Oh yeah,
1: and we're gonna find out in a second. This was this was. Absolutely planned. So one of the yeah. w- one of the guys in my research, it's the U.S. Marshal, it's David Siller. Sealer. He is very passionate about this and he is so annoyed. He rolls his eyes. A lot of people are like, oh, we have no idea. We have no idea how he escapes. And David Siller's like, please, this was planned. Yeah, no, no, this was premeditated. Right, I, this was as planned. I'm, as I'm
0: reviewing researching this, the first thing I said was, there's no way, that's why I was asking how long has he been in prison. Yeah. There's no way, you're behind bars seven years and all of a sudden, they're going to take you to a mall that you may or may not know, and and you're just gonna you you're gonna escape? No, you need to like this. This thing was a setup. You needed to have help. So the yeah. police the police are going to start doing that. They're going to start uh, they're going to start coming up with that theory. Because uh, where do you go, right?
1: So they went to the uh, visitation logs. Yep. for him in jail. They and interviewed I mean,
0: all his associates and friends and family, and too, like yeah, which, family and associates, to to the degree that they know. Yeah, yeah, and they you got know, nothing out of that.
1: The, well, the visitation was a little bit telling. This yeah. is why David Siller, he's yeah. like, no, this was planned. I mean, visits went from like once a month to once a week. Once a week, it was heightened right before leading up and you know, he was super tight with the, the guards. He had to have known like, cause at first, at first I'm thinking like, I don't see how it could be planned though. Because like, how was he going to know what time, where, when like the guards had to have told him when and where they were going to do this Christmas shopping. Right. So like, I guess if he was aware, so yeah, the family and associates are talked to, they provide absolutely no investigation. So this is when Franklin County puts out a local warrant for his arrest, but then the FBI also puts out a federal warrant for his arrest. Can you explain the differences?
0: Yeah, so the federal warrant should should take care of it, but the lo- it's just double coverage. The local warrant is, is locally in that county in Ohio. All the police sheriff, they're going to get notice of that, and they're going to have that in their possession. But also, the federal warrant is going to cover everywhere else in the United States. And the warrant sort of sits there. And there's there's a couple ways police can approach it, right? You can go look up the warrants and actively pursue it, pursue a warrant. Mm. But in this particular case, it it exists. So if he does anything wrong, like gets pulled over by the police or has some sort of interaction with the police where they have to check your ID... And, um, you know, when you get pulled over by the police, even for the minor uh, moving infraction, they're, they're running, check. they're yeah. checking your plates. And one of the things they're doing is to see if you have any warrants. And then that's a no brainer. Oh, you have a warrant for your arrest. And they put the handcuffs on you and arrest you. That's that's what they're doing. So, I mean, this could, you know, leaving the country, it, it'll, it'll get stopped at the border, uh, potentially, uh, crossing in the state, you know, going to. A lot of places. And then, and then, um, even maybe like banks or post office, things, things like that. You just never know where you're going to, uh, I- interact, cause a problem, and then someone calls the cops, you know? Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's got no license, he's got nothing, right? So now he's, he's going to go to a store. Maybe he tries to buy alcohol and they want to ID him. Well, maybe not in those days, but, you know, just, or he just causes problems and mm-hmm. someone calls the police and, and it's just a, what could be a simple disturbance call and they say hey move along and then they decide to check on him and boom there's a warrant so right. he, he shouldn't be able to to do anything where he had to interact with the police
1: right because of the warrants. shouldn't be able to <laughs> the warrants are put out this is an extensive manhunt you know but there's uh no lester <laughs> yep, they come dead, up with nothing end. So 20 years later, December of 1993, uh, we're talking about John Arcudi on Arcudi. He was a captain, retired captain for with the Mansfield, Ohio Police Department. So he um, is in charge in December of 1993 and he cannot let this go he's never let this go and he's like listen maybe you know maybe Lester has been apprehended at some point in the last 20 years and just no one notified Uh, he says you know that's that's common sometimes happens whatever let's just check so he checks in the computer expecting to see the warrant but nope (laughs) there's nothing there the federal warrant was removed from the database so basically like you were saying if any of those things happened if he was you know, driving with, if he driving with like a taillight out or if he ran a stop sign and ran a stoplight and he was pulled over, there was no yeah. federal warrant. The in police the officer system. was
0: pretty upset. The, he was the captain, pretty upset. Uh, this, you know, unfortunately, this happened. Uh, how many years is this now? This is 20, 20 years 20 since, since
1: years. his escape, 28 years yeah, so, since the murder. You know,
0: databases have come into existence and changed could mm-hmm. could it could have dropped off yeah yeah it, it 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 happens unfortunately so it's
1: unfortunate um i bet people started checking the database every few months though after this and so it was so a clerical right, error right, basically right and they
0: realized the law enforcement involved and again good police work there were people that wouldn't let this go right there were cops that would not right. let this go and essentially, they had found out there was zero steps being taken to, to ca- capture this guy.
1: Yeah. And I mean, can you imagine like...
0: So he's lived a good life now, 20-something years.
1: Can you imagine Mary Ellen's family too at this, at this time? You know, like they were already going through like, okay, he got the death penalty. And then the death penalty... You know his execution was stayed three times, and then it was commuted, and then he was in paint shows. Yeah, and boy, then it's going his way. Escaped, yeah. Like uh, her family. Here's I, the
0: thing, I don't think. Well, pro- I don't know. If we'll say this, but I don't know that he even like. Why wouldn't you become a painter or something? I guess. Do you think? Well, he, do you think he thought he people would? You think? Yeah. Okay.
1: I mean, kind of.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I Yeah, I think he was trying to avoid anything the, that, that would, would tie him back. The, yeah, yeah, that would draw attention because we're going to talk about that in a second when it comes to pictures. So at this point, John decides to get Lester exposed on America's Most Wanted. He wants to put the story out there. What year is this now? So now we're in September of 1994. So it's actually September 10th, 1994 that the episode airs. It's
0: it's like the second or third year of... of
1: America's Most Wanted. America's yeah. Most Wanted. Like this is yeah, this is the, like the early first, yeah.
0: days of America's Most Wanted, and mm-hmm. this thing took off. Nobody knew this thing. I think it's still on. Different versions of it.
1: No, it's still on. They're, like, they're, they yeah. just aired one last week. Yeah, it's
0: weekly. It's, it's unbelievable. This is um, America's Most Wanted by John Walsh, Discovery very Plus. very very famous uh, person. He started this after the death of his son in the eighties, the, the murder of his son. So America's Most Wanted. So um, yeah.
1: So the episode airs September 10th, 1994, and that night a lady calls and says she knew Lester in the 70s and says that Lester ended up living with a Kay Banks, which is his cousin's widow. Okay, so they look into this, right? And they think this is promising because Kay Banks is, was technically family at one point. This was his cousin's. Wife, wife, until he died, and well, his cousin was a pretty prominent singer in Detroit. Detroit, yeah, um, in like the sixties and seventies.
0: And they're looking at, into Kay Banks, what else did they determine? What else did they figure out about her? Phone calls or visitation or something?
1: Letters and phone. Yeah, they communicated that, but they get that when they talk to her. Oh, there was. I mean, they look. It was at pictures a photo. That there, he that's had a picture of her in his cell.
0: So, so who was meeting? Who was? showing up regularly through the visitation then.
1: They don't ever say. Kay was in California though. Yeah. She was just communicating through letters.
0: Yes. And and so that might have been the local help. You're jumping ahead. <laughs> but but she right that might have been the local help, but she there's actually a picture of her in, in his jail cell. There was a picture of her um, yeah. up there. So they definitely proved yeah. that there's some sort of you know relationship relationship right. there, yeah.
1: The they get in contact with detectives up in California so Mm -hmm. it's going to be a former detective he was with the fugitive warrant section in Los Angeles his last name's Connor it's just T Connor was all I was able to find
0: this is where October 94 is that about where we're at I think so okay no that's not important it
1: September, October. Yeah, October 94. So they go and talk to Kay. And she, you know, tells them the whole story. She says that she was... They they say that she was super fearful of getting in trouble. So um, she tells them everything. She says that Lester did live with her, um, but wasn't there anymore. You know, her husband was shot and killed so she ended up in california she established she established a relationship with lester while he was in prison and then when he escaped he actually so this is the story of that she's telling them of his timeline right right? that he he told her so basically when he escaped he went to michigan to wait to see if he would be caught he started painting houses to earn money for a few weeks and then someone gets him a bus ticket
0: or, or money, right? Because he didn't have any money, right. money or, the, or the ticket.
1: for ca- To go to California. Um. So he tells Kay that once they get to California, the bus is actually pulled over by law enforcement and he's sweating. He's like, this is it. It's over. They got me. I'm done. He figured that he had a warrant out for his arrest, right? He figured that there was a warrant and they were going to check everyone. Turns out... They were only there looking for illegal fruit being brought in and out of California. Yep. Which is still a very real thing that they do. Yeah, it, but that's <laughs> their, that was
0: their jurisdiction that that right. department. And you know, what are they, they going to check everybody's ID? Yeah, and they that, weren't checking. And you know, if they did, they would have arrested him.
1: Right. They leave, and he is like, "Whew, got away." He's like, "Wow, I got away." He shows up and she says, Kay says that she's actually surprised to see him. She had no idea that he was planning to escape is what she tells uh, law enforcement. So he gets a hunting license because you don't need to be fingerprinted. No, no,
0: the, you don't need anything. This right. is true. When I was young, this is how it was too. Mm-hmm. You could just go get a hunting license and you don't need anything.
1: Yeah. So he's, so I mean, now he's, he's using smart. that. He knows that.
0: Yeah. He's using that as a um,
1: as a license a,
0: as, or as an ID.
1: Right. Which you can't do that now either. There's no, specific forms of IDs yeah, you, you need. Are you kidding? Me? The seventies was a oh, I, yeah, seventies was the seventies. seventies was a wild yeah. time.
0: <laughs> and he made up a new name too,
1: Victor Young. He actually has quite a few different aliases yeah. that are on. But this the, is the one that's gonna right. Um, Victor Young is the one that he uses. Kay says that Lester was a bully and she was intimidated, afraid of him. She didn't like him being there, so she comes up with a little ruse yeah, to good, get him out. Great, this is great for her. She's He's like, worked. hey uh the fbi called me
0: weird don't know why yeah Yeah, like you
1: they're just poking around he is out of there (laughs)
0: that that shows you the type of person this guy is right Mm -hmm. he was just using her like she's probably thinking oh he's here because we're technically kin you know relationship relationship, you know relationship but self-preservation he cares about only one person Mm -hmm. the narcissistic Lester Eubanks. I'm
1: kind of annoyed at her for and, not he took calling off. the cops, though. Like, she could have just turned him in. She didn't want him there. I, I don't know. I, yeah. How good of a relationship did they have if she was intimidated by him? They, you know, that's that's kind of where they...
0: She placed him. Did she place him in uh, another place? Or did she place him after after he left there? Did she say he was somewhere? He was usually hanging around.
1: Um, I think she tells them that he was working at a um, mattress. I think she's the one that tells uh, them. Yeah, Gardena, California. Gardena, is that what it yeah. is?
0: So so the last lead they had was that, I think? 1985, yeah. 86, he was there until?
1: Yeah, it was pretty recent. They go and talk to his employer and the yeah. employer is like, uh, I mean, a someone that looks just like that. Yeah, it was him. He was here uh, and then he left or whatever. He doesn't give them a whole lot of information. And, you know, Los Angeles, they continue to kind of work this case a little bit until 1996. So yeah. just a couple of years. They still they they put their work into it and they really come up with nothing else. Yeah. So the, so. the leads
0: go cold. It goes dead mm-hmm. at that point. That's it's just that's frustrating because they they seem to have been close. So they're the last thing they yeah. realize, you know, all the police departments involved is that, well, he was in California at least. Late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there is what is what they have.
1: Right. So then we're going to fast forward to 2003. They're still working at this. They're still... Oh,
0: oh, oh hold on. So there's a good... The, we know there's a good warrant. That warrant was fixed. So we know there's a good right. warrant out, out for him but they just don't have any other information at this point.
1: Right. So in 2003, uh, the detectives are going to try his dad now. They're like, okay, let's let's go talk to his dad. Let's mm-hmm. see what information we can get. You know, maybe he's been in co- like he's been on the run for how many years now? He has to have ha- been having help by family or friends. Like they're they have to be lying to us. He had to have been helping his son. So they go talk to a Mose Eubanks. He's described of being as being That's a man of the cloth. Yes.
0: Mo Eubanks? Moe's Eubanks. Moe's
1: Yeah. So, he tells the police, though, he won't talk about his son. He goes, you can come in. I'll talk I'm to you. Talk
0: about anything you I'm want. I'm not talking about my son. Nothing about the son.
1: What's interesting is he works in the prisons to help inmates turn their life around. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's a little interesting. Um, he tells the police that there's nothing anyone can do to bring that girl back.
0: Right. So, uh, what happened was the cops were interviewing him. This is the Ohio State Police. Mansfield, I, Ohio. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like this guy, too. Um uh, what was his? Name? I really liked him. I think it's him. still John. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, the boss brought it to him in the box and said, "Hey, take a look at this." And mm-hmm. they somehow tracked it down. To the dad. They honored that thing at first about the his you know not wanting to talk about it, right? And then the way they phrased the question, I can't remember it now. He he said he phrased the question. I think it was about the girl or something, or or I think. I can't remember. And that's when his dad no, you're right. They're talking to him and then he just kinda of brought he that up. He just it says was, that yeah, yeah, I
1: was just gonna get to that I oh, know what I'm you're sorry. talking about. Yeah.
0: No, I, I I get my point is I, they were even though they were honoring his his um request not to talk about his son, they were asking questions in a manner to, to get To get him to say something. They were eliciting yeah. they were eliciting information. They were probably appealing to his ego or appealing to his his is faith or something they, they did yeah, yeah they brought up his faith yeah, yeah. And, and and um but they were doing it in a way that he had no clue yeah because they were good um he also sorry says, did i jump ahead on you again i kind of it's uh, okay all right i love doing that
1: <laughs> it's fine
0: i want to talk about my part
1: <laughs> go ahead no, go well ahead. i was gonna finish something right, go you ahead. could say all right go ahead. you know he says that people change and start new life and he prays for his son, but that's all he's gonna say. That's how that conversation ends. Yeah. So, w- what do the police believe?
0: Well, they they absolutely believe that he knows where his son's at. Right. But they can't. They can't. You know, the how old's the dad? I think it was in the seventies, eighties, or something. Like 80s, 80s, yeah. You know, there's really. It's not like he's obstruction obstructing justice or. How. Or, 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 like, because he's not. Um,
1: I guess they would have no proof. That yeah, he for sure they don't knows. have any
0: any proof, right? And if it's like the if it's like their only lead at this point, you don't want to lock that down and, right. and close it up. You know what I mean? Right. You you hope that you leave there and you left something you know they probably they probably talked about um the the reason that he made that comment because they probably talked about that girl and the family enclosure and all that because he's a man of the right right. in quotation marks that's what yeah and then hoping they would leave and he'd ruminate on that for a while and then call back and say okay last last i knew he was here right yeah that's kind of what they're thinking It's, it's moot point um to you know put cuffs on him and say well if you don't tell us where he's at Right, you know, that's not going to help them any. Um, but they absolutely believe that that he knew where he was, or that he had contact with him at some point. Uh, wow. The thing is, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't know where he's at, but maybe he has contact with him. Maybe he, he calls him once a month or something like that.
1: Well, are you jumping ahead of me again? No,
0: I'm setting up. Um, I'm you know, if we had some drama music right now, we'd oh. be playing. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. You know. So <laughs>
1: they actually have an informant come forward.
0: Uh-huh. Police work again, informants.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of good police work in this. Yeah, I think so. So this informant comes in and says that that same summer, she was at Mose's house. So in 2003, the phone rang um, and Mose gets up and goes to answer it. And he comes back and tells her that it was her his son in Alabama who was painting houses. Now... The police had done their investigation. They had tracked down all the siblings, and Mo's had no other kids living in Alabama, and especially no other children who painted houses. Mm-hmm. Now we know that Lester paints, right? Because and we heard F- from Kay, Kay that he was painting, said he was houses. painting houses. Yeah, He was all right, and that's kind of in line with him right. liking set, to paint.
0: All right, set this up again, right? We gotta, we gotta set this up because this is important. So, s- this informant was where?
1: She was at Moses' house. She was visiting him. This
0: is the day that the police were there.
1: No, it was not the day.
0: I, I thought he while he was doing that interview with them, he stepped up to go answer the phone. No, it was a woman. Oh, it was woman. no no okay. this
1: the, it was a separate okay. day. It was during the summer. Okay. She comes forward to the police okay. to tell them about this yeah. encounter. One
0: day he picks up the phone. Yeah. Or she answers the phone. He
1: answered the phone. Okay. He the phone rang and he went to go answer it. He talked to the person and came back and tells her that it was her his son living in Alabama who was painting houses. Yeah. So, I mean, he's an idiot, too. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, good for him. We have this yeah, timeline so he information, this, but he trusted this, this woman, yeah. you know. Um, so, you know, they subpoena his phone records and, yeah, they find that there is a lot of calls coming in and out of a Center for Troubled Youth. Okay. So they go there and his description, this is in Alabama. Uh-huh. His description fits a guy that worked there with no driver's license and had a false social security number, but they had left a couple months prior to yeah, finding more, this information out.
0: M- more red flags. Right. This you know? this is
1: just a, you know, it could just be a coincidence that there's another guy that has no driver's license and has a fake social security number. Could be that, but seems
0: mm.
1: like it's Lester. Mm. <laughs> this is just some more information and they're just a few months behind him. Now
0: did did they okay hold on did they go so they they go to this place in Alabama.
1: They contacted them. They contacted it doesn't, them. Doesn't yeah? They just contacted the they, center for youth.
0: Th- did they give a description and all that? I can't. Yeah, that's why yeah. I just said that oh, the sorry. description
1: fits the guy that. Okay, worked they, there. they but yeah. they co-
0: okay they confirmed that. See, no one listens. to No, me. I <laughs> didn't. You you just said that they they no, confirmed. I said
1: Lester's description fit a <laughs> okay. guy working all right. there. <laughs> all right,
0: they could they confirmed the pl- people working there confirmed. Yeah, that fits this guy over here that did that. Okay, yep. yeah.
1: Yeah, and they tell him that the guy that it fits the description of, he didn't have a driver's license and he had a fake social security number when they checked it out. I mean, that that's there and it kind of tapers off. They can't follow up. They can't find him. They don't know where he went. So now we're going to fast forward another big chunk of time to July of 2018. So this is 45 years after his escape, after Lester's Jeez, escape. he's
0: lived a full life.
1: Yeah, this is david sealer he's the deputy uh marshal for northern ohio violent and fugitive task force he's the one that Mm -hmm. i've been kind of talking about this whole time Mm -hmm. so he decides uh to to really start pushing um to put lester on the 15 most wanted 15 most wanted which is like a huge list if you're on that list you're the worst of the worst
0: and the most difficult to maybe catch right yep
1: The, the you've eluded police like for this so is, long
0: if a u.s marshal shows up to work one day and he's not sure what the priorities are there's 15 in front of you right yeah. works a little slow yeah
1: let me work on these ones yeah yeah talking about kind of like all the places david is describing things to help us find lester he has friends and family in michigan ohio florida texas washington and california um, he has a huge scar on his right arm. It's pretty thick and wraps around his entire arm. Um, it's a pretty big piece of... Yeah, it looks like a burn or something. Yeah. A big
0: burn scar. But it's, it's 100% identifiable.
1: Yes. And then David brings up his painting. He says, you know, this painting hobby of his could really help to identify him. He's a very talented painter. Mm-hmm. Um, not to, sh- you know, give any good things about him, but if he's putting out work, maybe someone could recognize that this person is a talented painter kind of seems like maybe lester Mm -hmm. has not painted this whole time i mean basically we're coming to the end of this basically you know he's not been caught
0: yeah he's not been caught
1: we have another little update from this year
0: actually yeah so but I, i mean this is you know so he commits a crime man if he and he confesses Mm-hmm. You know they probably still have all that evidence but this is not like yeah. a DNA case like we we had talked about that's sort of irrelevant at this point. Um He
1: was convicted. He yeah, would go back was, to prison for that. Yeah.
0: Now it's about tracking him down, his whereabouts. Now, over 45 years, people grow old, they gain mm-hmm. weight, they lose weight. So that's the challenge um for for the police and the US Marshals.
1: Yeah, we do have uh they've over the years have done the age progression thing. Mm -hmm. I'll post all of this stuff. Yeah. So what I found when I was doing this research, something really interesting that was not really talked about. So apparently he has a son. Now this is the only thing that I've been able to find that says anything about him having some offspring. Um, And it's a direct quote from, I have it like annotated. I'll post it for reference. Uh Uh, but so basically it says a, so it was a tip coming from K Banks after the police had been tipped off in Alabama uh-huh. where it seems that he was, um, employed. So then in late 2019, Eubanks's biological son agreed to give DNA, a DNA sample that they had the potential to link to recent crimes that might narrow down his whereabouts. So it kind of sounded like a a little bit of genealogy that they were going to attempt, but also to like put through the database. It says... Oh, in
0: case he committed another crime, potentially?
1: Yeah, but then it said but then it says that it hit a snag since FBI policy prohibits searches using family members DNA. So it kind of sounded oh, like,
0: well, I mean, that goes against all our podcasts we've done.
1: Right. So that's what I was like. Are they talking about genealogy? Like was uh, he, cause I this think, is in 2019 I don't know. where his son was like, I'll give you my DNA. So I think that they were going to try genealogy. Maybe that,
0: one, that just might be the FBI policy. Maybe, but perhaps. I was
1: confused because the way yeah, it was worded, and I was I like, I either. didn't even know he had a son. I
0: don't understand what they were going to do with that. Like, so, so, j- just in case he's committing crimes.
1: But if he was committed, that's so. That's what I'm saying. If he was committing crimes, there was there's a warrant out for his arrest. Yeah, would have, yeah. And, and the, the so thing that's is, why I'm th- I'm thinking that they were meaning genealogy. They, I think, his son just came forward and was like, "I'll give you my DNA in case." Yeah. Yeah, You want to do a genealogy, whatever.
0: So that's just the data point because I don't really know that it's a data point that makes sense. Yeah. Because if he committed a crime and then he became a suspect, well, then that's where they know to go get him. So they're still tracking a guy who's a murderer.
1: Right. So I was a little confused about that, that, but
0: I I, I don't get that either.
1: Yeah. So then the next little update was actually March 29th of this year. um, U.S. Marshals released photos of people that he allegedly worked with at that mattress store in Mm -hmm. California. So basically, he had a coworker who just loved to take pictures of everyone, loved to document things. They somehow just recently got a hold of these pictures. But it seems that Lester was very calculated in never being in any of the pictures. So the U.S. Marshals want to make it clear that these people are not in trouble. They just would like to get in contact with them just to find out any information. They want to put together a more solid timeline, Mm -hmm. right, of Lester, where he's been, what he's been doing, maybe these people can help with that.
0: Yeah. the I just wanted to mention, too, the forensic imaging well, that was done and paid for by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It's called NCMEC. It's a big organization um, that helps with these these kind of kind of things, so
1: right. And it, I mean, yeah, I'll post um, mm-hmm. the age progression stuff. They keep coming up. With, yeah, you're gonna with, uh, updated age progressions if, all the time. We'll post
0: the U.S. Marshals wanted poster, and then yeah, the prog- age progression, the photos, mm-hmm. so you could um, if you run into them.
1: And this is gonna be for all of uh, my California listeners, all of my friends yeah. in California, and everyone out there. Uh, they believe that he's still out in California. He may have possibly lived in North Hollywood. Uh, the Gardenia area, like we mentioned. South LA and Long Beach. I said eek.
0: <laughs> yeah, Long Beach is very l- close to where l- I live. You used to live right over there when you were in school. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool. Like, uh, come on, true crime archivist. Let's find, <laughs> let's find this guy and call the police. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That'd be cool. I,
1: I don't understand. This makes no sense to me. I don't understand how someone can... I mean, this has had a lot of media coverage. Especially last year, if you guys don't know this was on uh, Netflix. It was on Unsolved Mysteries. Can, and even it, if he, like this has gotten a lot of coverage. How has no one... Yeah,
0: it's just... it is How? Because he's probably on the run. This guy is probably... He hasn't had a good night's sleep in 45 years probably. He's probably not that we care. He's probably on the run. So let's say... okay, Maybe so, now that Netflix so, released yeah, it, he's now, not having a good night's sleep. Now but. that he knows that everybody... Know, oh, he's obviously seen this wanted poster, right? Yeah. And everybody knows, oh, they know about my scar. So what could he do about that? If he went to the a tattoo parlor, they'd be like, "Oh, this is oh, I'm gonna call the police. Hey, I'm gonna do his tattoo. You call the police, you know? You see what I'm saying?
1: If that person even knows, you know, what's he gonna do? Cut his is. arm
0: off? I mean,
1: he could add to the scar, make it bigger, make it so bigger. That,
0: yeah. You know, I Listen, suppose. Listen, we're not giving him help here. Yeah, no. no, no, no. But we're, we're not.
1: I don't understand how it is possible for someone to completely elude arrest for 45 yeah. years but the cops 46, all the departments involved
0: years. in this they've they've had it's been good police work they've done good leads maybe somebody had lived in the same neighborhood or apartment complex and if you did and you recognize me just just call that number call a number we're gonna put the number up at the end
1: yeah uh, i mean we need to get him yeah all right 100 he needs wow to... this is a crazy one of, of super infuriating <laughs> i don't understand but uh, again, good police work. If you have any information, if you guys see anything, know anything, hear anything, and I'll post the pictures of the, um, the co-workers. I'll post everything. Mm-hmm. If you guys have any information, you can call the U.S. Marshals at eight six six four wanted or you can even go to unsolved.com. Um, and then the U.S. Marshals has their own website, too. You can go to their website also. There's many different places so you if, can go.
0: if somebody recognizes one of those co-workers... They want those people just to come in and talk to help. Yeah, yeah. Those
1: people are not in trouble. Yeah. It is important to reiterate that. Um, you know, they might, it might be a little terrifying for them to see their pictures released mm-hmm. and that maybe they don't want to go forward, but they are not in trouble. They, cool. the police simply want information. They want to put together a timeline. So U.S. Marshals at 664-WANTED, or you can go to unsolved.com. Um, and even the U.S. Marshals has their own website. I'll put that website up too. Yep. All right. Good. So, Thank you guys for sticking with us this week. Uh, it was a little frustrating, I know, and really sad to listen to. Uh, uh
0: remind everybody of the the victim's family though, the the
1: Mary Ellen Deaner is her name okay. and her you know, she's sister Brenda, her uh, mother has since passed. We want you to keep your thoughts with her family. Yeah, we always like to end week.
0: with with noting them and not the bad guy. Yeah, we really want to keep
1: okay. thoughts, prayers, good vibes, everything. Going towards the family and hopefully that Lester will be caught to give this family a little bit of peace and justice. If you like following us, like listening to us and you want to see everything that I will post because I will post all the information, you can go to our Instagram at True Crime Archives podcast. That's where I post everything related to these cases. Uh, We would love for you guys to give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Giving us a five star rating really helps us, and only give it to us if you really like us, please. We really appreciate. I pay attention to all of and the we rates might and reviews. Post it. Yeah, if you give us a rate, like we're we want to start doing shout-outs to all of our followers. Give us a rate and review. We love hearing from you guys, but it's also gonna help you know push us uh, for more people to hear us, more people to mm-hmm. get the message. We want people to hear you know like episodes like today to get that information out. So,
0: and we've selected. Our next episode we've selected from one of our listeners. So stay tuned.
1: We absolutely do that. Um, you can also give us a rate and follow on anchor.fm. You can send us voice messages. I think last time dad mentioned that mm-hmm. uh, if you send us voice memos pertaining to the cases, asking questions, you can ask dad or myself questions on anchor.fm and we'll plug them in and try and answer them. And it'll just be like a fun little thing we do. Cool. So yeah, we will see you guys next week.
0: Later. Later.